Quick note about this podcast episode today. We're going to be talking about a passage that contains some mature themes. So if you are a kid, hit pause and go talk to a parent before you listen. Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by teaching pastor Clayton Keenan and executive pastor Eric Ferris. We're about to jump into another passage from the book of Genesis, but before we do, we're going to bring in Lucas, our podcast producer. We finally convinced him to talk into a microphone. He has a fun question for us, so Luke, take it away. All right, I was wondering if there was any way you guys have any hidden talent that you can do for us on air. That means you have to be able to hear it. Yes, yeah, something that you can do that's a hidden talent that we can all hear and everybody at home can hear. I can do a triple backflip. I'm going to do it right now. <laughs> Ready? One, oh, two, three. Oh my gosh, that Holy was incredible. Wow. wow. Not really. He didn't actually do that. Nothing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right, I'll, I'll try and make an elephant noise. Here we go. <laughs> it worked one time when I tried it beforehand. Try it again. Try it again. No, I got nothing. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't that, have a, an audible talent. That sounded Eric? like when you blow up a balloon and then you squeeze it to let the air out a little bit. Let me let me try your elephant for you. Ready? Oh, that's good. That Not bad. That's good. That hurt a little bit, and I shot some things up my nostrils when I did that. <laughs> Uh, I can do a Velociraptor, but that hurts my throat, so I won't be able to talk for the next 30 minutes if I do it. Uh, how about a, a dying pig? Let's hear it. Let's, let's go for that. Ready? That is <laughs> creepy on so many levels. That is terrifying. I really want to hear the Velociraptor one, though, but okay. Never mind. We'll save that we'll save for a future for, episode. For okay. afterwards. Uh Nikki? I have nothing. No, nothing. Nothing. No, nothing. Lu- Lucas, you got one? Uh, I can make the sound of one hand clapping. So I know you can't see it, but it will just confirm everyone that yeah. the, the noise is coming from one hand. You ready? Okay. All right, here we go. <laughs> That's... <laughs> that is ridiculous. Maybe. No, that was one, that was one hand. <laughs> it was definitely was one hand. One very floppy hand. Up until this point, <laughs> yeah. if there was a vote on the dumbest things that have happened... <laughs> or have been said on this podcast, I'm pretty sure things that I have said would rank in the top five. Lucas, <laughs> with the one-hand clap, <laughs> just definitively took over first place. Oh, <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, Luke, thanks for joining us. Clayton, why don't you tell us what we're talking about today? All right. So we have another passage from the book of Genesis. Uh, we are, you know, maybe two-thirds of the way through the book, and we have plenty of family drama that has been going on. So if you've been reading, we've been telling the story of Jacob, who is uh, kind of the third generation of this family. So we start off with Abraham, and then his son Isaac, and then Jacob is the son of Isaac. And the promise of God has been passed down from generation to generation, but Jacob is kind of a scoundrel. Uh, he is not a good dude. Uh, he has spent most of his life uh, conniving and scheming and uh, fooling and tricking people. In fact, that's what his name means is, is trickster. Uh, and so he now has a family of his own. He has uh, he went 
to a, a kind of a distant relative of his, a guy named Laban, and uh, he ended up falling in love with one of Laban's daughters, a woman named Rachel. And so he made a deal with Laban and said, I will work for you for seven years if you'll let me marry your daughter. Now, when Jacob said that, he thought, I'm going to get Rachel. But when Laban heard that, he thought, well, I've got another daughter that I'd really like to marry off. She's the older daughter. Uh, she's not quite as good looking as Rachel. And so, you know, if I can, you know, find a way to do this, Laban outtricks the trickster and on their wedding night sends, Laban, uh, sends, sends Leah in the dark when uh, Jacob cannot see and he ends up, uh, you know, getting married, uh, consummating the marriage with Leah. And so Jacob is furious. He doesn't like Leah. And he says, no, but I really want to marry Rachel. So for another seven years, he works. He gets to marry Rachel. And now he has two wives, one that he loves and one not so much. And as you can imagine, that creates some problems. Uh, of course, it creates some questions too um, for us. Uh, in those days, it might not have raised this question, but for us, we look at this and we say, <laughs> hang on a second, uh, this guy has two wives and he's like one of the people that God chose to work with. Like he's, he's one of the heroes, right? Like one of the good guys. So are we supposed to think this was a good thing? Um, I'll, I'll save that question for a moment. We're going to read this story and when we're done discussing it, we will decide whether or not the Bible presents polygamy as a good idea or a bad idea, okay? So, Eric, why don't you read to us, our passage today is Genesis 29, starting in verse 31 and all the way through uh, chapter 30, verse 24. When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, It is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Because the Lord has heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. Again she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Now at last my husband will become attached to me, because I have borne him three sons. So his name was Levi. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, This time I will praise the Lord, so she named him Judah. Then she stopped having children. When Rachel saw that she was not bearing Jacob any children, she became jealous of her sister. So she said to Jacob, Give me children or I'll die. Jacob became angry with her and said, Am I in the place of God? Who has kept you from having children? Then she said, Here is Bilhah. My servant, sleep with her so that she can bear children for me, and I too can build a family through her. So she gave him her servant, Bilhah, as a wife. Jacob slept with her, and she became pregnant and bore him a son. Then Rachel said, God has vindicated me. He has listened to my plea and given me a son. Because of this, she named him Dan. Rachel's servant, Bilhah, conceived again, and she bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, I have had a great struggle with my sister and I have won. So she named him Naphtali. When Leah saw that she had stopped having children, she took her servant Zilpah and gave her to Jacob as a wife. Holy cow, this is four women now? Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a son. Then Leah said, what good fortune. So she named him Gad. 
Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, How happy I am! The woman will call me happy. So she named him Asher. During wheat harvest, Reuben went out to the fields and found some mandrake plants, which he brought to his mother Leah. Rachel said to Leah, Please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, Wasn't it enough that you took away my husband? Will you take my son's mandrakes too? Very well, Rachel said. He can sleep with you tonight in return for your son's mandrakes. So when Jacob came in from the fields that evening, are you laughing at the story? It's, it's, I'm it's trying, bizarre. I, I'm trying to read it like it's not bizarro, but it is bizarro. So when Jacob came in from the fields that evening, Leah went out to meet him. You must sleep with me, she said. I have hired you with my son's mandrakes. So he slept with her that night. You guys got to stop. <laughs> I can't get through the text. <laughs> All right. Should I, should I keep reading? Oh, yeah. No, or yeah. We, I, we need to keep going. Or, or should I just say, dot, 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 this is nuts. No, keep going. Okay. God listened to Leah, and she became pregnant and bore Jacob a fifth son. Then Leah said, God has rewarded me for giving my servant to my husband, so she named him Issachar. Leah conceived again and bore Jacob a sixth son. Then Leah said, God has presented me with a precious gift. This time my husband will treat me with honor because I have borne him six sons. So she named him Zebulun. Sometime later, she gave birth to a daughter and named her Dinah. Then God remembered Rachel. He listened to her and enabled her to conceive. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son and said, God has taken away my disgrace. She named him Joseph and said, may the Lord add to me another son. Wow. <laughs> well, you, you sort of uh, already heard one of our observations. Uh, this, this is pretty bizarre, but this is where we begin. Um, making sense out of a passage like this one, the thing that we need to do is to actually closely observe, because otherwise you might just look at this and say, I don't know what to do with all of that. Uh, but there's actually a lot here. So uh, let's start with hearing some of your observations. Uh, this story has all the elements of an episode from Days of Our Lives. We've got two sisters competing for the affection of one guy. It, it's this nonstop back and forth of trying to outdo each other by having sons for their husband, right? So it's like Leah wants Jacob to love her more than Rachel, and Rachel wants Jacob to love her more than Leah. The only thing that's missing from this story to make it like legit from an episode of Days of Our Lives is a missing husband that they thought was dead, but instead, he's been held hostage for like six years by someone who's been out to get their family. And now the husband's been released because he's been brainwashed and is now working for the guy who held him hostage. But the husband can't remember because he has amnesia. You're right. It doesn't have all of that. It does have the compelling inclusion of mandrakes. Mandrakes. So, In all seriousness, though, this family's messy. It's nuts. It's really nuts. It's 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 a total mess. Uh, and and uh, but mandrakes though. Um, this a couple of episodes back we we wondered what nard was. This was this was the nard of the, this passage. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure uh, exactly what a mandrake is. It's a, a root of a plant. It's okay, uh, Eric will Google it. Again. He will Google it, and we will find out about about that. But I'll I'll be honest. Like if your if your spouse came to you and said, hey. I traded some mandrakes. We're, we're going to get it on tonight. Like that, guess wow. that I guess that turns Jacob on. I don't know. He went with it. Anyway, uh, maybe we... Maybe I'm we... pretty sure that things I have said have been edited out of 
aired podcast, and I'm almost guaranteeing that that <laughs> phrase doesn't make it into the podcast. All right, let's let's uh, make some more observations here. Uh, yeah, it, there is a lot of bizarro bananas stuff going on. You know, one question I have is, what is Jacob thinking about all of this? Like, is mm. is he? You know, because we know that he is a schemer and he's always trying to manipulate to get his way. So if you try to like crawl into Jacob's brain, is he thinking like, this is amazing. Like all of my wives are telling me to have sex with all of these other women. Like, is he actually enjoying this in some sick way, knowing that there is this terrible competition going on between two sisters and he is manipulating it? Um, Or is there something else going on in his mind? Uh, the other observation I have is Leah and Rachel are really feeling something powerful that is driving their behavior. And, it, and as much as it turns out into this bizarro bananas kind of story that we're reading in the Bible, it's pretty much true of humanity all the time, right? We all have these, these feelings and these needs that drive us to do things that if you look at it from the outside objectively, you go, that was just nuts. Yeah. But it didn't seem nuts to the person doing it because they were trying to meet a very real felt need. Yeah, the, re- the really telling thing with that is looking at the names of the children. So uh, y- you've got these kind of maybe sentences that might be hard to understand. They say, you know, like in verse 33, because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. And so she named him Simeon. And all of those sentences, something in the Hebrew words of that sentence sounds like the name. And so that's kind of the, the logic behind it. But those explanations are really telling about the motivation of Rachel and Leah. I mean, yeah. look at that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not loved. Now my husband will finally be attached to me. Um, I, uh, now God has vindicated me. My struggle with my sister, I have won. Like th- this is going deep, so much so that they're using their children and mm-hmm. their names of their children to express this like longing for something that will meet their needs. Yeah, so... In modern day terms, it would be like if uh, a family could not conceive a child and finally they conceived a child and they named their baby Joy. And yeah. they yeah. said, like, we were so sad for so long that when we finally had a baby, we named the baby Joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what's going on here is they're naming their kids after how they were feeling after having the baby. Yeah. yeah one thing that I saw too, just with the, the names, is when she has her fourth son, she says, this time I will praise the Lord. And so she names him Judah, which means praise in Hebrew. And I, I thought that was kind of cool because it seems like in that moment, Leah finally took the focus off of herself and how her kids were going to make her husband love her. And instead she chooses to praise God for giving her another son. And, and there's, no, there's no hidden motive behind this one. It's, it's, she's just thankful. She's, yeah. she's praising God. Yeah. I, I look at these and I think um, there's such a value culturally on the things that they're fighting for, right? So uh, Leah is feeling unwanted by her husband. And so it, it, especially in that culture, uh, a woman was defined in a lot of ways by her relationship to her husband and whether or not she was a mom. And uh, in, in different ways, that still can be the case today. It's not actually the, the, the cultural form that it takes here is very different from ours. But there are a lot of people who feel like uh, my marriage and my children are the things that if, if I do well in those, I'm, I'm defined by those things. And so uh, they, are, they are saying, I really need this. Uh, this, is, this is something I can't live without. In fact, the, one of the observations I had was um, 
when Rachel is like, I don't have any kids, she goes to Jacob and says, give me children or I will die. Mm-hmm. Like there, there are some things in people's lives, in, in, in your life, in my life, where we say, I need this so much, it feels like life and death. No doubt. No doubt. You, people can't imagine existence without a certain something or a certain circumstance or a certain problem to be fixed. Uh, by the way, mandrakes, one of the things that mandrakes are known for, fertility. Oh. Now it makes a ton of sense. Interesting. I'm not sure it does. <laughs> like, it's it's still bizarre to be like, well, I traded some mandrakes, you know? like. You know what's really interesting about this, though, is that we, we've seen this just recently. We've seen a story like this just recently, right? Rachel takes matters into her own hands. Leah does the same thing. Kind of takes us back to a past episode with Abraham and Sarah taking things into, into their own hands with... Hagar and Ishmael, and I think it's, again, it's just impatience causes us to take things into our own hands, and that's how life gets messy. One other observation is that it's very interesting that at the very beginning, so this this is the start of the episode here, it says, when the Lord saw that Leah was not loved. So before any of this, all these schemes happen, one thing is, is established, God sees Leah in her pain, and he cares for her. He, he, he gives her the gift of a, a child out of compassion and love for her, recognizing that. Uh, there's actually a pattern kind of in uh, the, the book of Genesis, you may have noticed this, where God tends to favor the underdog. That's the younger son in the pair of brothers or uh, the, the person who's the outcast. Like there's a, the, God is deliberately going to the person who is... Uh, unfavored in that society and saying, I'm going to give special care to that person as part of the reason why there are so many stories with uh, women who can't conceive. In that culture, if you were a, a woman who could not have children, your value went way down and God goes to those women and he, ha- he gives these miraculous births uh, of children. He, he cares for that. So that's already established as a character trait of God, even before all of this scheming starts to go into place. Another observation I have from this text is you often think about like God's will and God's purposes being like this very clean, linear, like it seems like it should just be very neat and organized and not be messy. Well, as you read through this, you realize there's 12 sons. This is where you get the 12 tribes of Israel, right? So God tells Abraham, I'm going to give you a great family. Your family's going to become a nation. So Abraham's family becomes a nation, and these 12 kids become the heads of the tribes of Israel. Mm-hmm. Now, think about <laughs> the origin of the 12 tribes of Israel out of this bonkers story. <laughs> Yet, it is God's purposes unfolding throughout human history. So it, it just reminds me that if you're looking for a neat, tidy, perfect, clean you're just never going to find it. Not not when you're dealing with sinful, fallen humanity interacting with the perfect purposes of God. Yeah. Let, let's go on to the next step in comma, which is M, and we are actually going to swap the message and the meditation uh, this time. Uh, we've talked about this before. Meditation is one of those steps that kind of can go anywhere. You're prayerfully reflecting on Scripture all the time. And so in this case, uh, we felt like uh, it would be good to reflect after we discuss the message. So we're going to talk about this. Uh, what message would you guys formulate from uh, the observations we've just made? 
Well, I went back to my observation from pretty much the entire passage, and I and I and I thought, based on what I said earlier, it was just impatience causes causes us to take things into our own hands, and that's when life can get messy. Um, that's what it's just really evident. I've got two. One kind of not serious yet serious, and one for my own life. One message is polygamy is a terrible idea. Oh, yes. <laughs> it, every time you see it in the Bible, it is rife with relational disaster and things just spiraling out of control. Uh, another, another message would be, and I've already alluded to this, God's purposes are happening throughout this story, and it's happening in the midst of a human mess. Mm-hmm. And so a message would be, even in the mess, God's purposes continue. Yeah, I'm drawn to the the kind of heart motivations of uh, Rachel and Leah here, looking for something to give them value and worth and satisfaction. And uh, it, it feels like a broader principle is at work here. That when you look to anything in the world other than God to give you your value, it will never be enough. It will not satisfy. It will not actually do that. Uh, if, if you look to the blessings of God to replace the, the affirmation of God himself, you, you, won't, you won't ever get there. Um, there's a, a psychologist who came up with this idea of immortality symbols. Uh, he talks about the idea that, that what uh, people are doing, whether they realize it or not, are looking for something to say about their life that it's more valuable than just the here and now, that it, that it lives beyond them or it's bigger than them. And so all of us, no matter who we are, whether, whether it's you do it through your kids or you do it through your relationship that makes you feel something bigger than your present moment, or you do it through your work and your, your achievements or uh, whatever it is that you say, this, this makes my, uh, my life more valuable than just a fleeting thing. That's your immortality symbol. It's a thing that makes, makes you say it was worth it. And th- th- these women are doing that, and I think all of us do that. And so this is, this is where I wanna go to meditation. I want us to ask the question, honestly, right now, in your life, what are you looking to to earn your value? And you can you might notice it on, on two different sides. There may be something that you feel like you are just crushing it right now, like you are doing so well, and that's making you feel like you're worthy. And that might be the thing. Even if you're doing a good job, that's the, make you, the thing that you're saying, that's what defines me. Or it might be something you're, you feel like you're really failing in. And you say, if I could only have that, if I could only do that, achieve that, then I would be valuable. Then I would be okay. It might be either of those things, but ask the question, what are you looking to, to earn your value? are in the final step of the comma method, A for application. 
And so I want to turn it over to you guys. How are you going to apply this passage to your life? Wow. I'm focusing on your message, right? Wow. I've only had 45 seconds to think about this one. <laughs> so it's, it's hard to get right to application on this one in my mind. I, I'm trying to go through a list of things in my head of ways I know I do this. Uh, I'm probably not unlike a lot of Americans in this one. It's about like performance. Like you're, you're trying to do things in a way that the results of what you do outlive you. And so it is, if the thing I'm working on is effective and other people tell me that it helped them, this podcast would be a good example, right? If, if we're sitting in this room creating these podcasts, in my mind, I'm thinking in some ways, the value of my time, the value of my life is whether or not this thing actually helps other people. Uh, and so actual good things can actually become idols in that way. So it, that might be a tricky one for ministry too. Like if, if you work at a church or you work in a nonprofit organization and you start actually valuing the work you're doing or looking to the work to tell you how valuable you are rather than God, that's a, that's a tricky world to live in. Yeah, that, that's where my brain went to is just trying to be mindful of uh, the people or the things um, that I look to for approval or um, joy, whatever the case may be. It's, 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 you're not going to find it there. I'm not going to find it in a lasting way. That stuff comes from, um, from God, you know what I mean? And, and that, that is definitely... Something that we all need to be cautious about, for sure, can, can fall into that trap on a day-to-day basis, moment-to-moment basis. Yeah. I, I think, um, yeah, similarly, I, I look at the, the things I do, especially in work, uh, as something that I, I ride the roller coaster too often where I think, man, I, I really did well that day, and you know, people you know, gave me good feedback about that, whether it was a, a sermon or uh, a project we're working on or something, and I, and I think, oh man, I'm doing great. Um, and, or, or when things are, you know, I'm like, I'm not sure how this is going to work out, and I'm feeling more anxiety than just the, 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 the actual tasks require, and I'm thinking, oh man, is this going to work out? Like, w- often when I wake up thinking those things of like, oh, I really got to do something about that, it's a, it's a good indicator uh, that th- those things are going on. I'm, look, I'm putting too much value in those things. And so I think uh, application-wise, it's not just to say, well, don't think about that, don't think about that. Mm. It's actually to go back to, well, what is the thing I ought to be seeking? And to spend time saying, does God see me? Does God love me? Does he care for me right here and now? And spending time soaking in that. Like if, if Rachel and Leah paused long enough to say, wait a minute, am I actually genuinely valued whether or not I have this kid or whether or not you know, Jacob, uh, I get Jacob's attention? Like they, it might've toned down the whole situation to say, actually, God loves me. He values me. He's with me here and now. And so that's, that's what I want to do. I want to spend time actually saying, what is it that God has already done before I achieve or accomplish anything that he has demonstrated his love for me? That's some great truths to apply. 
Well, last week on the podcast, we announced Christ Community Church's special year and gift project and our goal to help record the Bible into new languages. For those of you who missed that announcement, every year, Christ Community Church sets out to raise money to give to an important need, either in our community or around the world. So this year, for our year and gift, we are excited to announce that we're going to be using 70% of the money collected from our year and gift to partner with an organization called Faith Comes by Hearing. They have a goal to finish recording the Bible in every language in existence by 2033. And we hope you'll listen next week. We'll be joined by our outreach pastor, Eric Hansen. Eric leads our international impact ministry and works with our ministry partners around the world. So we're excited to have him join the conversation as we explore another passage in the Bible and to tell us a bit more about how we get to be a part of sharing the gospel with people around the world through our year and gift. For more information on our year in gift and how you can be a part of getting the Bible recorded in new languages, please go to BibleSavvy.com. You can also go to BibleSavvy.com to download the Bible Savvy reading plan. Next week, Eric Ferris will be walking us through another passage, and Clayton and I will do our best not to get Eric and Eric confused when we say, what do you think, Eric? I think we need nicknames for them. Yeah, we'll come up with something. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.